This is Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast, episode number 17. In the fast-paced, high-tech world of construction today, 80% of the new start construction companies go broke or out of business within the first year. In five years, only 2% of the construction companies remain. Construction Business Mastery is dedicated to providing educational information and resources necessary for construction companies to succeed and prosper. Hello, this is Glenn Wilson, and I'll be your host for this 17th episode of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. Construction Business Mastery Alliance is dedicated to assisting independent and medium-sized contractors succeed and prosper in the construction industry. In the feature segment of the podcast, we are going to be talking about the construction figures for the month of December and how we round it out for the end of the year and talk about planning our construction companies so that they work for us, not just us working for them. In the legal segment, we're going to be looking at a case involving giving proper notification of claims to secure our rights to change orders. In our safety segment, we have an interview with Dr. Steve Hoffman talking about back injuries and proper lifting procedures. And in our bonuses section, we have a special offer again from PlanSwift for estimating software and from the Construction Business Mastery Alliance. And now it's time for the feature segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. We now have the construction figures for the month of December 2011, bringing the 2011 year to a close. Construction spending for the month of December was estimated at $816.4 billion, 1.5% above the November estimate of $804 billion. The December figure is 4.3% above the December 2010 estimate. Residential construction was up in December 0.8%. Non-residential construction was up 3.3%. Public construction was up 2.1%. Overall, the signals seem to be that the construction industry is gaining some momentum, and this is good news for all of us. As I mentioned last month, we have seen an increase in new start construction companies over the past several months. And one of the questions that we have gotten in those people that have taken the podcast survey is, is now a time to go into the construction business, or is now the time, with the economy the way it is, to start a diversified construction undertaking? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes. Let's take a look at most people that invest in the stock market generally invest when a stock is high, and they start losing money when the stock starts on a downturn. Well, judging from the economic figures that we've seen over the last couple of months, there seems to be an increase in the rise of construction dollars that are being spent in this country across all sections of the economy, both private, commercial, residential, and public. So I think it's important that you get in on the front end of a rise and not jump in at the crest of the wave and wait for it to break over the top. 
That being said, you still have to go into it cautiously, knowing exactly what you're getting into. The construction business is one of the toughest businesses that you will get into, but it can also be one of the most rewarding. If you are just now starting your construction company, or even if you've been in it for a few years, there is one caution and one thing that I'd like to point out right up front. You need to think about the type of lifestyle that you want to have for you and your family and plan out how the new start construction company or your existing construction company can provide that for you. Too many people go into the construction business with expectations of making great money but find out they're just working to have a job to go to the next day. And that's the wrong way to be in business. A business needs to work for you, not you for the business. And I know personally this can be a very challenging perspective to maintain, especially when it's Thursday afternoon, payrolls due on Friday, and you have just enough money to pay all your guys, and there's not enough money left for you to take your paycheck. Been there, done that. Not the way I want to spend my Thursday afternoon worrying about Friday, knowing that I've taken care of everybody else that works for the company, but I've neglected to take care of myself and my own family. So you need to go ahead and plan out how you want that construction business to provide for you. When I started my construction company, I wanted a company that was based on honesty, integrity, and excellence. I wanted a company that was very professional, could provide the needs that I had for my family, and in addition provide for the needs of my employees and provide excellent and outstanding service to my clients. Those were lofty goals and ideas, and at first I just proceeded into work with those in mind, but I failed to write them down and commit them to memory or commit them to a permanent part of my goal and structure. And after a few years, was finding that I was working for the company, not the company working for me. I was always the one getting shortchanged. Well, I had to rethink that entire process and commit all of those ideals and plans to writing and then keep them in the forefront of exactly how I wanted to operate my business. And once I did that, we have proceeded with that as our goal and objective and done a pretty good job of maintaining it. And I encourage you to do that up front. Don't start out and learn that you have to do it later. Make sure that you get that done now. It takes a lot of guts and hard work to be in the construction business, and you need every advantage that you can possibly attain to be successful. And having the right plan of attack is the first, and I think most important one, that you have to embrace. And now it's time for the legal segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. The legal segment is taken from the Construction Claims Advisor with express permission of WPL Publishing. This month we're going to be looking at a case involving giving proper notification for extra work. A New York court has strictly enforced a notice of claim provision, even if the public project owner's personnel were aware of the extra work. The contractor's failure to provide a timely written notice was inherently prejudicial 
to the owner. The New York State Thruway Authority awarded a contract to Phoenix Signal and Electric Corporation to finish and install closed-circuit television cameras and overhead variable message signs at multiple points along the thoroughway. The contract included a standard specification of the New York Department of Transportation mandating written notice of claims. The specification said that if the contractor believed it was being required to perform extra work, the contractor must notify the project engineer in charge in writing within 10 days. The contractor was also required to provide force account reports on a daily basis of the labor and materials it was expending on the extra work. The contractor also had to submit periodic summary reports of its force account efforts. Phoenix Signal allegedly encountered an undisclosed drainage catch basin. This made the authority safety barrier design unconstructible. Instead of using prefabricated barriers, Phoenix had to custom form the concrete median barriers. Phoenix did not submit a written notice to the authority engineer in charge, but the authority's on-site inspector observed Phoenix performing the work with its own forces. Phoenix did not provide force account reports until months later, when it sued to recover for the extra work. The New York Court of Claims dismissed the claim because of the lack of timely written notice Phoenix appealed. The Supreme Court of New York Appellate Division said the claim notice provision in the DOT specification is clear. Compliance with the written notice requirements is a condition precedent to recovery for extra work. If the contractor fails to comply, the contractor is deemed to have waived its right to additional compensation. In light of this language, the written notice requirement must be strictly enforced. The court rejected Phoenix's argument that the authority had actual knowledge of the extra work through its own on-site inspector, and therefore suffered no prejudice as a result of the lack of written notice. The purpose of the notice provision in public contracts is to provide public agencies with timely notice of deviation from budgeted expenditures and allow them to take early steps to avoid extra or unnecessary expense, make any necessary adjustments, mitigate damages to avoid the waste of public funds, claimant's failure to provide defendant with the required notice prevented the defendant from taking steps to mitigate the cost of the alleged extra work while it was being performed and therefore caused inherent prejudice. In conclusion, the notice language of these contracts is very strong and the New York courts have a long tradition of strict enforcement. And this is true of many contracts that we enter into throughout the construction industry. And if we do not adhere to the written notice requirements for changes, we could find ourselves in this exact same condition. And now it's time for the safety segment of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us, Dr. Steve Hoffman. Dr. Hoffman has a private chiropractic practice, and he's the founder of the Core Wellness Institute. 
He is one of the nation's foremost experts on posture and is most commonly known by his clients as the Posture Doc. Welcome, Dr. Hoffman, to Construction Business Mastery Alliance. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Wonderful to be here. Dr. Steve, could you tell me a little bit about the Core Wellness Institute? Well, Glenn, the Core Wellness Institute is both a physical entity and an online entity at corewellnessinstitute.com. What I did is I took my program that I had here at the office and at the institute, and I took it and put the mindset, movement, and nutrition strategies all into an online program. People in the institute, the students go in there and they learn how to move correctly through six movement and exercise modules. They get information on how to eat correctly for less inflammation and also mindset strategies, you know, how to reprogram your brain and your thoughts so you don't keep falling into the same patterns over and over and over again. So that's basically what it is. It is both a uh, online program and a physical program, depending on where you are in the country. I know that that is a tremendous program because I am a member of the Core Wellness Institute, and I have found it to be extremely helpful in my own lifestyle, and it's just been a real blessing to be a part of that. And that's, you know, quite frankly why you're here today, Dr. Steve. But, you know, one of the things that we've had some conversation about is one of the biggest problems that we face in the construction industry is lifting. You know, people just don't know how to correctly lift loads, and they continually have back injuries. Been one of the biggest problems um, that we've had are back injuries on our construction sites. Do you have any thoughts about how we can prevent that? Well, uh, absolutely. You know, if there's one thing that uh, that I've taught people over the years is that, you know, how you move during your daily activities is much more important than doing specific exercises because it's how you do what you do when you do it that counts. And so, you know, obviously we, you know, bending and lifting and squatting and all these things are really commonplace on the construction side. I know I was, uh, from the time I was 14 to 21, I spent each one of my summers working construction for my father. So I, I've been on the other side of this as well. So I have a, I'm in tune with this kind of knowledge. But with lifting, the main thing is you have to not, you know, well, let's, let's go over some myths first, Glenn, because I think there's a lot of myths out there that need to be busted before we go in and tell you exactly what you, you should be doing. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> the first thing is this idea of we are, we're told to lift with our legs. I don't know if you've probably heard that a, a thousand times. Don't lift with, your, with, lift with your back, lift with your legs, right? Yes. So we're, we're told to bend our knees, bend your knees and spare your back. Well, it's, it's really kind of sound advice because whenever you, you know, it's, it's, it is better to do it like a full squat to go down and pick something up. But the problem is, is it takes a lot of energy to get down into that full squat. And what happens is that excess energy expenditure just keeps people from doing it over and over and over again. And it's not its not usually the one big load that blows out a back or blows out a disc or causes a herniation or a bulge and all that kind of stuff. It's the repetitive loads over time. Sometimes, you know, most of the time, people injure themselves when they bend over to pick a nail up off the floor, not the not when they're lifting a, you know, trying to pick up a stack of two by tens. So it's really important to understand that it's more about how you do it every single time, not just when you're under a heavy load. So it's the consistent repetitive damage that happens to us that gives us more of a problem. You know, whenever you're bending over for lighter things, you're not going to do a full squat. You're, you're going to accidentally go into a stoop where you let your back kind of arch and you let it go into a C 
C-shape, and when it goes into that flexion or, or that C-shape configuration, you're placing tremendous, tremendous amounts of load on your disc, and that's what causes that little stuff that's on the, the inside of the disc to squirt out the backside, and that's when you get a herniation, a disc bulge, and then you're in real trouble because you can't work, you can't take care of your family, you can't take care of yourself, you end up on pain medications, and you run into this downward spiral. So that's the first thing we have to understand is it's it's not about bending your knees, okay? It's more about hinging at your hips. That's the probably the biggest distinction I can make is that when you bend at the hips, hip hinge, for instance, is a, is the way to think about it. If you put if you stand up and you put your hands right in front of your your body, right below your hip bones, and if you bend over and there's you should make a crease and your hands should go into that crease. That is a hip hinge, and that is what you want to do every time you bend, no matter what you're bending for or what you're lifting. So the hip hinge is the biggest piece, rather than thinking, okay, I have to go down into a deep squat each time. It's more about hip hinging. And the other thing, whenever you're hip hinging, you have to keep a very stiff and tight center. That's also in a lot of the lifting manuals, which is actually good advice. They say tighten your center or tighten your abdominals. It's also called co-contraction, where you kind of simultaneously just kind of stiffen, like if someone's going to come up and, and give you a punch in the kidneys, you would stiffen to take that punch. So that stiffness is what keeps your back and your joints and your discs in a neutral position where they can't be damaged. So so let's reiterate here. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to stiffen our center. Then we're going to hip hinge. It's almost like you're sticking your butt out, Glenn, sticking your mm-hmm. tail out mm-hmm. whenever, whenever you go down. That is the, the biggest thing. So, you know, if we're told to bend with our knees, bend with our legs, then we do all kinds of crazy stuff to make that happen. So it's more it's better to think about stiffening, stick your tail out. Okay, stiffen, tail out. Stiffen, tail out. Those are the words that I use consistently when I teach my clients, students, and patients how to lift. So those are the two biggest pieces, stiffen, hip hinge. Okay, those are two big pieces. Another myth in the core stability world, a lot of people tell you to pull your belly button into your spine. Now, I don't know how many construction workers are taking Pilates classes and things like that, Glenn, but that's a, a common thing that they're taught in the Pilates world, core training world, and the uh, gym rat world where you take classes and things like that in gyms and YMCAs and things. They tell you to pull your belly button into your, to your spine. Even yoga will do that, Glenn. They tell you to pull your belly button into your spine, and this is actually taking you out of stability and creating more strain on your spine whenever you bend over. So it's more about tightening and a bearing down rather than pulling the belly button into the spine. So those are the two major myths that need to be corrected and busted, so to speak, before we go on. No belly button to the spine, right? You're going to stiffen. And you want to focus on hip hinging rather than bending your knees. Don't get me wrong. There is a time to bend your knees and you should bend your knees. You don't need to go into a very deep squat every time you pick something up. It's more about sticking your tail out. So those are the the two big pieces. Well, and I think that, you know, once our guys really start practicing that, I think you're right. You know, most of these injuries do occur just on the normal daily work, picking up a two by four or a piece of conduit or whatever, not necessarily a real heavy load. What about twisting? You got any thoughts on twisting? Absolutely. One of the biggest injury mechanisms for the disc is to flex forward and bend at the same time. Again, making sure that, first of all, you never, whenever you bend over, you never let your spine go forward. You never let your spine flex. You never let your spine round. Because once you round and twist at the same time, you might as well bank on it, Glenn. A disc herniation will eventually occur. It may not be after the 10th time you do it or the 20th time you do it, but how many times do you do it? Even with low load, you still have the same amount of damage when you're doing it with low loads over and over and over again. The same amount can occur even when you do one big load. So it may be the 100th time where it happens when 
when you bend over to pick up that <laughs> screwdriver you, you left <laughs> on the floor, and you're, whoa, and, you know, and there it goes. Or you're picking up a paperclip off the floor. That's the classic. So, yes, no twisting when you're bent over unless you are in a very, very, very spine-safe, hip-hinged, embraced position. Then you can handle a little bit of twisting. But most people, I would say, avoid all twisting when you're in a flex position. Actually, there's one more piece that I would like to add to you know one of the, the major, you know, in addition to not twisting, the other thing, you know, a lot of people are, they, they'll get in their, uh, their trucks or their cars and they'll go to a construction site. And sometimes, you know, I know a lot of people drive 30, 45 minutes to get to a site, right? I mean, that's uh, not uncommon. Absolutely. And, Whenever you're sitting for long periods of time, here's the deal. Whenever you sit and you let your body kind of slump into the seat, you know, and you kind of let your body kind mm-hmm. of sag in there like most people do, uh, that places the same amount of flexion load as you would if you were bending over to pick something up with a rounded back. If you sit with a rounded back over time, that's going to decrease the amount of stability you have whenever you get up out of the truck and go right to the site and start lifting stuff. You're at, you know, you have a tremendous increase in the possibility of injuring your spinal tissues. So important after you've, you know, after you've ridden in a truck for a while, you want to make sure you give yourself at least five or ten minutes of walking around and kind of breaking up blockage and the viscosity that's built up from that trip. And a great way to do that is is just is this groove that pattern like I talked about, where you just stick your tail out a few times, and then you know, you know, like it's like you're sitting down in a chair and then come back up. Stick your tail out to sit down in a chair, come back up, and groove that pattern so your brain and your tissues can be prepared for whatever you need to do. So that's another big piece of the puzzle. I've never heard that before, and I think that's really an incredible piece of advice for our listeners. I'd never thought about, you know, really getting out and doing, you know, what you'd call stretching exercises or or that bending thing just because you're right. I mean, you've been sitting for a long time, and and your back's already into a bad position to start with. You know, as I sit here listening to you talk about this, it's very hard to really visualize in my mind what you're talking about, the hinge motion and, you know, pushing your butt out and keeping that back straight. Would you do me a tremendous favor? And I know you post a lot of videos for folks. Our listeners would be extremely appreciative if you could post a a video of exactly how that worked and show us what that really means and what it looks like. And we could post that in our show notes for our listeners would really appreciate it if we could do that hey that's no problem glenn i've got uh, a number of different videos already posted on my posture doc tan- uh, channel on youtube so i can just pull a few of those out or maybe just one or two that uh, really drive that message home about the uh, the hip hinge and proper lifting technique and we can post that on your blog and that is not a problem i would be honored to do that for you i appreciate that and i know our our listeners will appreciate that and I really thank you for sharing the safety segment with me today here at the Construction Business Mastery Alliance. And I recommend to all of our listeners, too, that if you get a chance, go to the corewellnessinstitute.com and check out all the good work that Dr. Steve's doing out there in the world of posture. Dr. Steve, again, thank you very much for being with us on our show. It's my pleasure, Glenn. I'm uh, I'm happy that you're doing this because, boy, I tell you what, those construction workers or construction people in general really need this information. So I, I thank you for uh, for putting it out there. Thank you very much. Have a great day. And now for the bonuses section of the Construction Business Mastery Alliance podcast. As mentioned in the safety segment, Dr. Steve Hoffman has posted a video demonstrating his recommendation for lifting 
and I encourage everyone to go to the show notes and watch and download the video and share it with your employees. In addition, PlanSwift has issued a new release of the PlanSwift estimating software, and it is now even more powerful and better than ever. I recommend that if you're looking for estimating software for doing electronic takeoff and estimating, that you seriously consider this product. We have had a great success with the podcast survey. However, I would really appreciate additional folks taking the survey because we have received some valuable information from your comments and will be incorporating these comments into our future podcast productions. And remember, don't hope that you will succeed. Plan for success. <music>